This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID, the smart choice for MDL implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant and UL certified for all transaction modes. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AnvaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Anva community. Now celebrating our 90th anniversary. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone. This week is our third episode in our series of Behind the Curtain, where we're talking to different folks at AMVA about what they do and their role as it relates to this is AMVA's 90th anniversary. So I'm pleased to welcome my good friend, Philippe Guillaume. Philippe is the CIO and Senior Vice President for Technology here at AMVA. Philippe, it's hard to believe that this is your very first appearance on the Evercast, but nevertheless, welcome. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And I'm very pleased to participate to this uh, podcast. Yeah. Uh, listen avidly every day. <laughs> um, you know, when we talk about the looking behind the curtain, uh, we talk a lot about how unusual AMVA is as a nonprofit trade association, that behind the curtain is this enormous, robust, technology network that has evolved and is built over the years of which, you know, you have executive responsibility for. So I guess it's it's quite appropriate that here you are as a guest and behind the curtain. Yeah, it's a very interesting uh, uh, organization, as you say. It's almost two organizations within one. And uh, when we interview people, I like to say sometimes that we are part association, part uh, service bureau, because we really do a lot of uh, IT services to our members, which is not typically what an association will do. So it's uh, very interesting, uh, those, that yeah. dichotomy between the, the two parts of AMBA, I guess. When, when you are explaining that, whether it's to a potential new hire or someone, you know, you know, if you really try to bore someone at a cocktail party, whatever it is, how do you describe the, the network part of it that is in a way that gives it the, the scope and the scale that it deserves. What are the what are the words you use? What are the metrics you use to help paint that picture? So I would say two things. One is uh, it, it's very much of a real time network, uh, which means that any uh, hiccup is really felt by everybody uh, using that network, and uh, that brings some constraint in terms of uptime and uh, response time. And then also the, the 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 spread of all the services that we provide. So we really we are not only doing one type of verification for issuing a driver license. We do the titling. We do the exchange of data between insurance and the states and financial institutions. So it's very much touching a lot of different services, different service providers, uh, third parties, and federal government as well are users of the system. So it's pretty large uh, footprint and large number of transactions as well. You know, mm -hmm. as we, we do uh, eight, nine million messages a day, which mm -hmm. is not a small number. And uh, so we, uh, over time, that has grown. And I think that where we are today is a significant piece of uh, technology if you want to be able to ensure the response time we have and, and the uptime we have. Yeah. Now, certainly, not unlike other companies and other networks, uh, where we are today was never really envisioned or imagined when the network was first built. Uh, has that made it a, a challenge to expand because you're always adding on to something that maybe wasn't intended to be added on to initially? Or have you found a way to say, okay, we now have this, this foundation that is flexible? 
So it didn't start uh, necessarily with that vision, as you said, to become what we are today. Uh, having said that, I think the, and I don't take credit for <laughs> all of that, but I think the initial uh, design of the system had really still a vision about developing, for example, a message format that would be able to be used for different applications that was already there when I came. Uh, the, the network by itself could grow also to some extent at the time. We are limited by, uh, it was SNA lines at the time, which was not the technology we have today in terms of capacity. Uh, mainframes are pretty scalable, so they are that part we were able to, to scale up with uh, over time. Uh, but I think we have then we have evolved the network. You know, where technology has evolved uh, several times now. We are on the third iteration of the network. Uh, we have also uh, the technology in terms of our data centers is also uh, on the third iteration of it. We were on mainframes before. We moved to a .NET environment, and now we are into Azure uh, in the cloud. So it's a very uh, much more flexible and scalable environment today, which mm -hmm. allow us to be more uh, to keep growing. Mm -hmm. So there is a, there is work to be to, to do every time to make sure you can keep uh, keep up with the demand. But I think it's um, initially I think the vision was really already there to be able to build on, on what we had. Uh, to the point where uh, when we see this came up, which was 92 of April, April 92. Mm -hmm. um, I came in 91 just to, for, for background. And right away after that, we, people were talking about why don't we expand it to all drivers, not only commercial drivers, but let's do let's do it for all drivers. And then an MBTIS came right away uh, for the title for the vehicle. And why can't we do the same? So there was an appetite to do more quickly uh, right after the first application. So when you coming on board in 91, and you mentioned some things are already in place by then. It's mainframe technology. What Give us more of that flavor in terms of what is the cutting technology in 1991, 1992, Cilisco's live, that AMVA is deploying? So, and again, just for the auditors, we uh, I'm talking about starting with AMVANET at the time. Right. Uh, so AMVANET, for a context point of view, uh, was formed in 89, uh, and it was really to protect AMVA uh, in case uh, the, the, the foray, if you want, into right. IT. This risky, risky thing of new, new system. Fancy technology, exactly. what would it do to us? <laughs> yeah, so AMVA really wanted to make sure that they will not be, they will not be affected right. uh, negatively. The liability of this and they venture. created AMVANET as a technical subsidiary of AMVA, and uh, when I came as a contractor, uh, we had basically nine, five or six employees of AMVANET. Uh, FMCSA at, or FHW at the time had given $21 million for SIDLIS to be started. Uh, a grant went to Nebraska to set up the network. It was outsourced to IBM network. Uh, it was an SNA network at the time. And then uh, the application SIDLIS was actually, uh, uh, the procurement was done by New York the state of New York, wow. for EDS. Uh, and EDS was a company that developed the Seedless application. And that was even even before Amvanet was created. So it was really starting as soon as, soon as uh, the Commercial Model Vehicle Safety Act was put in place in 86. And so Amva then brought those contracts back into Amvanet. Uh, Amvanet did it after the, the procurement was done. So when I came, was basically there was no IT resource at Amva. The technology was pure mainframe, as you mentioned. So it was a mainframe run by EDS for the central site. The full network was uh, an IBM network. And the NCS, the network control software that we still have today in our architecture, was also run by an IBM network uh, system uh, run by IBM. 
and uh, so very much mainframe based. And I was I was hired at the time to be uh, for the Uni software, which was providing that software that would allow every state to interconnect their own DMV systems to uh, to the network. And uh, the reason my organization was uh, selected was because we had a product to generate software that would run for every platform that the states were using. So at the time, you had you can imagine it was not everybody was using the same machine, same type of uh, hardware. Uh, so we had IBM CICS, IBM IMS, we had Unisys, we had two versions of different Unisys uh, that were present within the state. We had uh, another old version of IBM uh, CICS DOS uh, operating system. So we, when we got the contract, was we had seven targets, uh, different platforms to uh, target with our software, which was quite a challenge. So that's pretty much the, the, the layout at the yeah. time when I arrived. And then now 30 years later, um, does that challenge still exist, but in different forms? That idea that you need to be able to adapt and connect to all the variations of what might be out there, particularly on the on our states, on the U.S. member jurisdiction side, mm -hmm. they very well could be in different states of technology evolution, and yet they all need to connect to AMBA. Need is still there. Uh, yeah. You're right. Uh, we have lost some platforms, <laughs> thanks to to, to again, uh, modernization project, uh, but we still have, uh, for example, two IMS uh, mainframe states. We have still uh, several CICS uh, IBM states, and then we still have different states moving on the .NET or Unix environment. So we do have to support still different different type of platforms. And again, our role is really to ensure that nobody has to be concerned by, by what the other systems, the other states are using. And we really make sure that it's actually transparent for every state. Yeah. And other than, say, the, the IT folks working in those states that are doing the connection, my understanding is it's, again, continuing this image of behind the curtain, it's fairly invisible at the, the DMV, meaning that if I'm at the front counter working a DMV inquiry, I don't know that it's AMVA in the background doing these things. I'm just getting the results. That's, that's correct. And to the point where sometimes there is some, even some confusion as far as is it AMVA being done or is it uh, one of the third party that we access to oh, get that right. verification? So there is a lot of mystery, sometimes a little bit of mystery of what's going on once that transaction goes on a network, who is actually responsible to provide a response and how it's being uh, sent back to the state. So the, the efficiency we've created of the states only having to worry about one connection, which is overall a benefit, sometimes creates that muddy water of which which part of the pipeline isn't working. Correct. Yeah, and we've had some uh, education to do some time and we are certainly part of the solution every time there is an issue. We are actively engaged with our partners, with whoever needs to to fix the problem, to make sure the problem gets resolved. But sometimes it feels like, oh, AMVA is done. No, we are right. not done. We are actually still working, but it's uh, our trading partner that has uh, some issues there. Yeah. Now, you mentioned on the application side, obviously it was originally built for SIDLIS. Then as soon as SIDLIS was built, there was already conversation about, shouldn't we have this for all drivers? And of course, here we are 30 years later, and we're almost there. Right, you know, state to state is that all driver solution. We don't have everybody on yet. Uh, as you look back at that over the 30 years, would you have thought it would have taken 30 years from, hey, let's do this for everybody to getting everybody on? 
Uh, I was hoping not, uh, <laughs> because as, as I came coming from the private sector, I was I was hoping uh, I was looking at maybe more of a, a regular type of update. If you want, that would be coming after the first one, the first uh, deployment. Uh, but so, soon I learned about the, the the process in federal government appropriation, and we went to to the hill several times to get funding to do uh, what is now known as state to state. And uh, the first time was, oh, it's too expensive, we cannot do that. Uh, the second time was, uh, we don't want a national ID <laughs> or a driver license, national driver license. And then it's only after 9-11, unfortunately, that uh, then we had the reverse situation where uh, uh, sometimes some of the staffers from the Hill would come to us and say, why have you not done that already, <laughs> that system? And so we were, uh, again, uh, actively involved after 9-11 to help work with DHS to come up with solutions, uh, to, to, the, to provide that solution for one real ID, one driver license. And, and we were really advocating for one system only, which would be the existing seed list being deployed, ex ex uh, expanded if you want to support non-commercial licenses. We take that for granted now that we've just expanded and built it on top of seed list. That wasn't necessarily a given when the conversation started. Yes, it was not a given. And it's, it's funny because you mentioned the evolution of AMVA and I would say the, 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 there was a, a, a nice evolution at the beginning where we kept growing, we kept doing more system because we really wanted to do paperless. So we, it was not that difficult beside that old driver system. Everything else was, was pretty easy to convince either the board or state to participate in, in new systems. Uh, and, but then when the reality came, there was a lot of differ, different issues going on. You know, some state didn't want to do with, go with a real, real ID. So I'm at a very, uh, difficult role of, of trying to help on for the state wanted to be uh, doing real ID to provide those systems. So mm -hmm. we form a working group of states. We had 14 states involved to uh, come up with a solution for supporting the verification requirement. But DHS was not convinced that we should be the one doing it. <coughs> so we had to work with DHS as well to ensure that we could, our members were able to provide a solution right. to DHS. Right. When DHS was more of the opinion, they could do it on their own without Oh, the DHS was going to build this oh, thing. Yes, yes. Oh. <laughs> we won't. We won't say on a publicly available podcast what we think would have happened if that kept going. <laughs> but that's that's so. It was an interesting phase, yeah. and all, uh, and it turned out to be at the end a very good. Uh, uh, outcome when we get significant funding to do state-to-state, -state, sure. which allow us to redo NCS, to actually modernize a lot of our infrastructure uh, while expanding the state-to-state, -state, uh, the to state-to-state. So it was very much of a critical uh, milestone as well for the organization in terms of uh, ability to scale up again to a different level to right. support the different needs um, in terms of technical needs. Now, we talk about scaling in different needs. I'll go back again, you said soon after SIDLIS, Nevitas comes into play. And so it's a little bit ironic that as soon as the thing is built, the next big ask has nothing to do with driver licensing. It's the complete other side of the house. Now, it came from the Anti-Car Theft Act of 92. Right. And there was really that uh, need to, again, verify that there was, there was no fraud on, on titles and the vehicle that had been... Uh, either stolen or damaged will not be able to go back on the road without yeah. the proper indication on the title. And uh, so it was a very interesting project as well. We were still very small and we had to do a pilot initially to prove of concept. And we developed that system in a very short time frame. So it was very interesting I had, I had to bring more IT resources as well to yeah. start building the, the IT staff at AMVA. 
Uh, and just for the record, I moved as an Amvas staff a year after I uh, started with my company. So I was, I was already for one year. Then I was a, a contractor with yeah. my consulting firm, and we kept them. We kept all of the staff from the consulting firm to maintain Uni and develop it. So it was still more work to do on a Uni project. But I was hired to become as a staff to be the project manager of the staff. Gotcha. But soon enough, it became why don't I take care of the, developing uh, an MPTIS and all the other systems? So the all really changed quickly in terms of uh, taking charge of all. All IT development activity, if you want. And in in the Midas, I'm curious because now you're connecting with either a different part of the jurisdiction agency, or in some states, a completely different agency than has even been in the sinless <coughs> conversation. That's correct. Yeah. So it was again an interesting ex- uh, exercise, having to explain who we, we are, and sometimes having to even set up another line to go to that agency because often in some state it was a different agency than the uh, DPS uh, right. for the driver license. And so, we, yes, it was, again, expanding our role and in a different area that uh, with an agency that was not necessarily familiar with Amber. Uh, what made it also maybe more difficult to deploy also was it was why it was a federal requirement. Right. There was no real uh, rules developed. So Amba developed specification, which we think of it now is kind of a little bit backward. We developed specification without any rules on, on the act. Uh, so we knew exactly what uh, we knew roughly what the concept was, but there was no specifics on how to deploy such a requirement. Right. If you want, like we do today on Sidley's for example, we we, we often for the rules the and then we'll have the, the, the specification will come after. In this case, we kind of uh, uh, took the lead and said, let's develop something, and then we uh, we developed the first pilot, and then we think the second. Production uh, version was in '98 or '99, something. Yeah. So it must put you, you know, in terms of your role now, in a unique perspective where you were there at the beginning of Sidless, you were there being the Vitus, and everything else followed after that, right? There's how many applications now sit on Amvinet in, in total? So total, I think we, if you count, we know we have a number for the application number that we use and every time we add a new number, we have 37. Now 37 the, different. For, for that uh, application number for, for state to state. Not everything stayed. So we developed some time with an application number and then eventually we- So it was sunset. Uh, sunset where right. it became sunset. But, so we don't have as many running for sure. I uh, forgot exactly how many we are maybe, uh, I would say 12 maybe active. Uh, Maybe a little bit more than that. Even. So when you talk about things like the other applications or things like systems or yeah. um, uh, digital image access and exchange. Right, the PDPS, uh, PDPS would be one. We have you know, DLDV. Uh, DLDV. Yeah. And the other, the verifications to the Fed, <laughs> such as the Social Security verification. USPBS. USPBS uh, with passport. Yeah, verification of lawful status. Right. So VLS. And then we have also the... We have a regist- uh, selective service uh, oh, application yeah, yeah, yeah. where we push the data to selective service. Uh, we have one also for, um, I'm drawing a blank now, the, but we had we had an application for exchange of a lean and, and it's oh, a sure, e- ELT. Title, yeah. We have one for the electronic ve- uh, vehicle registration. So it's between dealers right. connecting to the state to do that verification. Um, I guess, though, my question is, you know, since you were there at the beginning, all these app, whether it was 12 that are active now or the 37 that have come and gone, you're now managing a, a staff of more than 100 people that are focused on all these different applications, making the network structure work, that it's connected, running efficiently, coding, etc. 
but you've watched all of them be designed and built, and you designed and built some of them themselves. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine it's, you know, in other places, maybe a CIO or someone in your position is coming in with all the executive experience you have, but didn't help build it all from scratch. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's got to be both a benefit for you, like you know what's really in the code, <laughs> but it also must be a little bit nerve-wracking for some of your team. It's like, well, you can't fool Philippe because he kind of built the thing himself. Yeah, that's interesting because uh, for, for two reasons. One is uh, uh, because we are trying to move Uni also and to sunset the mainframe because it's, yeah. we won't be able to support it for forever. Uh, that I'm back into helping my team on the uni. So it's almost like a, a full circle. Now I, I'm more engaged in looking at some of the aspects of the... Of the what was originally there. They go, why'd they build it this way? Well, let me tell you why we built it this way. <laughs> so it's interesting to, to go back to that uh, very specifically uh, during this uh, time frame now. Uh, but yeah, so, so the team, yeah, it's interesting because sometimes I, I'm, I'm careful not to get too far and too far into the, the, the weeds with them because sure. I, I want to make sure that uh, if, for a lot of reasons, I'm no longer necessarily remembering every aspect. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to embarrass myself neither. But <laughs> at the same time, it's already, it's, I have a lot of very talented people around yeah. me. So it's good for them to to take the lead and, and uh, really appreciate when they do that and don't have to be, uh, to be in the weeds. So, yeah. yeah. So... Over the, the past three decades, it's, it's evolved very organically. It's not like we said, it didn't wasn't set out this vision. As needs have arisen, we figured a way to make the network agile to fit the needs. What do you think's next? Here we are at the 90th anniversary, looking out toward 100. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know where we've been. Where do you think we're going with this yeah. network? That's a very interesting, interesting question, and I think we have already some elements of that response. You know, we, we talk about the MDL mm-hmm. uh, in some different podcasts, and we have had several presentations about that, uh, which I think is an interesting evolution for us because uh, Real ID was also already, uh, I would say, a shift for our membership where it was clear that DMVs were also into ID management, right. whereas before Real ID, there was not a consensus on that, you know. And I think it really put that on the on the map that uh, the DMV has a, a very clear role of verifying who you are mm-hmm. and all the verification system we have in place today. And then now we are pushing for that MDL to be really used. And initially, it was more uh, for, from a point of view of uh, nobody wants to carry a wallet, so why don't I have everything on my phone sure. instead of a instead of a wallet? And uh, but it was not necessarily the vision yet of, uh, but that could also be the way I connect to the internet and the way I can go online and do some activities without having to remember 10 different user uh, user passwords, user ID and password. And I think we, we are really still in the middle of that. So it's very exciting, actually. We are working with Apple, working with Samsung. Mm-hmm. It's another layer, if you want, of, uh, of expansion that we are now starting to look into. Uh, we are deploying the DTS in the next uh, two weeks, and while we mm-hmm. we are not the one developing it <laughs> because of all the backlogs that we have, we are suddenly very closely engaged with that. And I think that we we can see the same evolution for e-title, for e, uh, e um, your registration, e- your age, having your card as well, your mm-hmm. registration card also on your on your phone. So I, I can see us having again quite a role to support that, uh, support the members. Uh, in that particular uh, space, and and that's really again where now it's not even 
the computer of the state connecting to our computer, but it could be also phones connecting to mm -hmm. different systems, and and we have a role in that in that uh, connectivity or that at least defining the yeah. standard. And so I think it's an, an interesting evolution again, one more one more layer. Uh, I still see again the, the driver license data verification, the LDV having also potential to keep grow, uh, oh, growing sure. yeah. Yeah. and having also uh, adding another layer if you want of, a, of uh, reach uh, of our organization to other entities, other state agencies and, and being more uh, engaged with other state agencies. I think that could be another evolution that we Today we see our role of supporting the DMVs, but eventually we right. could be support more engaged. We provide uh, one of the applications I didn't mention, but we provide also the social social the social security number verification right. for the voting bureaus in every state uh, besides seven or eight, uh, and we do it again through our network. So we our customer is no longer the DMV, but that uh, voting bureau within the, within the state, and uh, that could be another evolution that we could see for Amber. So the I'm not yeah I'm not sure even I knew that. So in addition to the states using the social security verification at the point of licensing, the elections agencies are using our connection to the social security administration to verify social security numbers. That's correct. So the story of that is that we uh, we provide we there was a strong interest because of Sidley's uh, requiring the social security number. There was an interest from our members to uh, be able to verify that social security number. So we approached SSA back in the mid-90s uh, to create that SSOLV application, and mm -hmm. it became very much of a success right away. All the states were, were using it uh, pretty, very quickly. And then after that, uh, we have uh, the HAVA Act passed, you know, the Help America Vote Act, uh, it was after the, the issue with the election in Florida, you know, when there was uh, the hanging chad. I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. Yes, of course. So of that, course, that course. basically triggered a, re a requirement again for all the states to review the way they were uh, setting up their elections. And they all get funding to yeah. also set up verification system. And they had to be able to verify the last uh, four digits of your social, social security n number, which will be in a situation where you can't present an ID card. Mm. And so SSA turned to us now because they had that requirement to provide that fun function. And they knew we had a very successful solution with them for the DMV. So could you do, could you do that for the, for the other agencies as well? And we worked with SSA and we put it in place. And a lot of a lot of times they actually leverage the connection through the DMV. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. But sometimes we have a direct lines connecting to us to, to go to SSA for that. So the other thing about looking forward, you talked about how we were, you know, went mainframe, .NET, now we're in the cloud. Is it too soon to know what's after the cloud? Or is there folks on the bleeding edge going, you know, the cloud's old news already and it's on to blank? Yeah, and I think it's still uh, very current news and very relevant news for everybody. I'm not aware of necessarily the What's next. next? Uh, the next. But uh, there will be a next. There will be a next for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's still uh, pretty early. Yeah. The thing to know about the cloud, and I think it's interesting. Uh, I guess we are learning of that now as we are using it actively now. Uh, it's 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 a quite an evolving platform. So whereas before, you know, you had the mainframe and you had a new release of CICS every three years maybe, uh, the cloud is basically you get new releases, new services uh, almost every other month, you know, and so 
it's very dynamic, very, uh, you have to be agile to keep up with what's coming up your way. So uh, it's, it's, it's difficult to know what will be even in three years within the cloud. Sure. So what could be the- The cloud itself is it's, gonna it's be quite changing evolving. its own yes. form of, yeah, what, yeah. What, of what it means to be in the cloud. Quite, yeah, quite. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, Philippe, thanks for chatting a bit today. You know, get a sense of, you know, your perspective on where the network's been, where it's going, your role as CIO. Um, and I have no doubt, you know, maybe we'll continue the conversation once we figure out what cloud 2.0 <laughs> might look like. <laughs> really good. And thank you for the, for the time. It was certainly a pleasure, pleasure to share some of those uh, memories from, uh, yeah. from the last 30 years. I can't imagine it's already more than 30 years. <laughs> yeah. It's 32 years. So 32 uh, years. 32 years. Uh, Would you have thought 32 years ago when you transitioned from contractor to employee? Not at all. Not at all. Like because for me, it was quite a leap of faith. I mean, it was such a small organization. I was used to work on large projects and, and, you know, uh, uh, 20, 30 people with a $10 million project. And here I'm showing up at the door of AMBA, which is a very small organization. I was and I was really decided to stay in Washington, D.C. at the time because mm -hmm. my wife had a, a position in, a, in a Washington, D.C., so I wanted to leave here. And uh, the project was such a small project initially. I mean, it was technically challenging, but it was not uh, the scale of what I was used to. And um, suddenly, thank my, my boss at the time to let me even <laughs> respond to that RFP and wanting to uh, take the, the gamble to stay. Uh, to stay here and I really don't regret it. It was uh, such a great uh, experience. So. Very good. Well, you're, you're not done yet. This isn't a fully retirement episode or anything like that. So we'll, we'll save that for another day, maybe in another 30 years. All right. Thank you all for listening this week. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Till next week, everyone, stay well. Thank you for joining us for AmbaCast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.